Welcome to the Gastroenteritis Blues live on Locker Room. My name is Steve Lippman. I'm with Emily Anderson and Dan Volpone. I have early questions for both of you. First, Dan, what is the longest that you could go without going to the bathroom? Oh, the longest I could go. I mean, at some point you die. But, like, I feel like I could go, like, a day and a half. What? That is 100% incorrect. Why? How long do you think I could go? <laughs> you just can't go that long. I think you're like bladder. <laughs> no, I just wouldn't wild... eat or drink. I wouldn't eat or drink anything the whole day. Wow. Um, that's great. I, for If I was asked that question, I would say probably five hours, maybe. Emily, <laughs> do you have an answer for this one? I do have an answer. Um, one time I went, this is like really unhealthy, but one time I went like, I think it was like 16 hours. Oh my God. I like left for work in the morning at seven and I was like going to a client and I didn't go all day or until I got home and it was in Allentown. So it was like, like seven to 10. Wow. So were were you, you obviously weren't planning on doing that, but was it killing you all day knowing that you hadn't? Um, It started killing me around like 6 PM, but like I was like busy working and I, this is how I know you couldn't go a day and a half, Dan. It's like, I didn't, I ate, but I didn't drink anything all day. And it still was, like, very, very painful. I feel like I could do it. So, like, to get to, like, over double that, I really think your bladder would explode. I, I'm just, I'm just built different. <laughs> He's built different. Um, the other question I want to ask, and Emily, I want to start with you. Uh, of all the Sixers on the current roster, who do you think you would get along with personality-wise best? And worst on the team. What do you say? Um, I think I would get along with Tobias the best. We mm. both like to read books. And I feel like we would get along. Um, I'm not, like, into video games, which, like, Ben and uh-huh. Joel are really into. I feel, And, like, Tobias, like, his girlfriend makes him watch The Bachelor. So I feel like, or fiance. So I feel like we would have, like, something to talk about, even if we were, like, hate talking about it. Right. Um, so I think that we would get along the least. That's an interesting question. Um, I don't know. I need to think about it more. Okay. You keep thinking. Ask Dan. the most question and then I'll get an answer. Dan, give me your most. Well, I feel like I'd really get along with Joel a lot because I would just compliment him all the time because I love him. Mm. Um. And then for the, I mean, I could do the least, but I mean, it used to be Horford. Um, Definitely. These days, I don't know. I don't want to shit talk anyone who's going to actually play for the team. So give me the new guy, the Iggy guy. Oh, that guy. Right. <laughs> that he's guy technically would... on the roster, I think. <laughs> I think he's technically on the roster. Uh, Emily, did you happen to think of your person you'd get along with the least on the roster? Um, no. All right. Well, I'm glad we came back <laughs> to that, Emily. Um, they I will all say, look so nice. I don't know. For me, the person that would like me the least is Joel because I would be trying so hard around him to be funny or to be liked. It would it would just not go well. It would be like when you have a crush 
in high school and and you just laid on too thick and I think he would be like Steve is fucking weird. I don't like him around. Uh, and it would like be the most, probably the Iggy guy. I don't like I think That we're probably equally good at basketball and we could play one-on-one and keep it competitive. Um, to move on, this is a preview that we're doing for the Sixers-Cavs game, which, which uh, is happening tonight, probably just when this comes out. It'll, <laughs> the game will start. Um, the Sixers have lost twice to the Cavs this year. Uh, they lost their last... Uh, last two games, they lost against the Clippers and they lost against the Nuggets. Um, and now the Sixers are trying to get another win before Joel comes back, which is reported to be Saturday. Uh, Dan, how are you feeling about the Cavaliers game tonight? Do you think the Sixers steal a win out of Cleveland before Joel comes back? Yeah, I think we get a win here. Um, when we, I guess, you know, the last two games were tough, but we were playing really good teams. Um, for the most part, even with Joel out lately, we've really handled the bad teams well. I and mean, we've had not too many, like, bad losses against, you know, teams where it's like, we should still be better than that team, even though Joel's not playing. Um, and I think the Cavs certainly fall into that category. They just lost to the Lakers um, without, you know, either of their stars. And on Monday night, they lost to the Jazz 114-75. to so um, that's with you wow. know no jazz player even had 20 points. They're just, you know, a very good team and kind of spread it around. But the Cavs scored 75 points. I'm looking at the box score now. Um, can't pretend that I watched the Cavs lose by 39 to the Jazz. It's not really <laughs> appealing. But, you know, Sexton and Garland are, are both, you know, solid players. And I think they're the kind of player that in the past would really kill the Sixers. Um I don't think I think the Sixers are, are you know much better suited to cover that type of player now. Um, they had twenty and eighteen. Sexton and Garland did. Um, no one else had more than seven points on the team. Um, mm-hmm. Dean Wade had seven points, and he was their next highest scorer. And then a bunch of guys with five. So um, they just really don't worry me at all. And I know we we had some bad losses to them earlier this year, but I think we're playing better than we were then. Emily, what about you? What do you think? Uh, do you think the Sixers will come away with a victory out of Cleveland tonight? Yeah, I agree. I think that they'll win. If they hadn't lost all the other games to Cleveland this season, I might say that like this is we're just gonna like go in on a three game losing streak and then Joel will come back and things will get better. But we can't like lose all these games to Cleveland. Like we have to beat them, and I think that like that's in the back of their mind a little bit. Like this team is not good and we keep losing to them. So I think that will win. Why do you think it is that Cleveland has had the Sixers number? Uh, The last time they played, it was an overtime game. I think Joel had 42 or so. It seems like every year there's just a bad team that beats the Sixers. And last year it was every bad team, but this Mm. year it seems to be Cleveland. Emily, do you have any idea why Cleveland specifically would, you know, have something on the Sixers? Mm, no, I just, I I think it's like sometimes the Sixers, if there's like young players, they like, they just tend to get hot against the Sixers, like Garland and Sexton. Like, didn't they get really hot the last time we played? Or it was someone random got really hot. That just like happens against us. But it can't happen this many times. Like it's against the, the laws of nature. So I think it'll be okay. 
It reminds me of the Phillies when the Phillies are playing against a starting pitcher making their first start and they're like a reliever from single A who they just called up. That guy's going to pitch great and the Phillies are going to lose. Like there's something about that. Dan, do you have any idea why it would be that the Sixers are struggling against the Cavs in particular? Or do you think it's more a random thing that they just so happen to lose twice and uh, tonight they'll be fine? Yeah, I think it's much more of a random thing. Um Especially, I know the the first loss to the Cavs was just the third game of the season, um, and Joel wasn't playing that game. Um, ben was still really struggling, and that was, you know, not a good game for him. So, uh, if I remember correctly, I don't think he had a very good game that night. Um, but no, I don't. I don't think that there's anything like there's no. I look at the two teams, and there's there's no one or nothing about the Cavs that makes me say that they're a better team than the Sixers or even, you know, mashed up well to beat the Sixers. I just think that it, it's, you know, the Sixers had a couple stinkers at the wrong time. Yeah, uh, I just saw uh, on social media that Matthew Della Vadova and Kevin Love will both be playing tonight. So, Dan, do you want to update your prediction? No. <laughs> okay, great. Um, I uh, Yeah, we'll see. I wonder who is going to start at center tonight for the Sixers. This has been sort of a thing lately. Uh, Dwight Howard has had some eventful games. He was thrown out of two games in a row. Uh, and then last game, it was just uh, not a great matchup. He wasn't able to really do much with Jokic. Um, even though the Sixers' second unit, or really third unit, came in and, and kept that game close. Um, coming out of that Nuggets game, were you guys worried at all? Was that a loss that bothered you? For me, the Nuggets are good. They're playing in the altitude there in Denver, and uh, and they lost by nine, and, and Jokic had to play down the stretch. I really couldn't get too upset, upset about it. I wish that Ben would have had a better game, and he hasn't uh, been very good offensively since the All-Star break. But other than that, I really thought it was a, a completely fine loss that, that didn't really bother me. Emily, do you agree, or, or were you more alarmed by it? No, it didn't really bother me, um, especially because – Outside of that, like, atrocious first quarter, it, I mean, if they had even hung in there, like, within 10, I think it would have been a game down the stretch. Like, they just let it get out of hand so early. And to come back from that kind of deficit in that altitude at the end of the road trip, it kind of is, like, a just a battle that you can't win. But the second, third, and fourth quarter, it's like, they had to have won some of those quarters. I think they like tied the second quarter. It was just that first one. They let it get like crazy. Uh, yeah, that first quarter was insane. They were like the Harlem Globetrotters. They were hitting everything. They were just doing whatever they wanted. Dan, uh, what do you think about the Denver game? Did it bother you or do you write it off as sort of a, a non-Joel loss that uh, you didn't expect them to win anyway? Yeah, I can't even, I can't even think about it too much. I mean, it is, you know, like you said, it's a non-Joel game, and they've been playing fine without him, but, you know, they've been running through a weaker schedule, which I think is still an accomplishment. Like, in the past, they would just yeah. lose any team without Joel. So I still think that, you know, you can look back at this road trip, and, yeah, they lost the last couple, but overall they played pretty well and have played really well, better than I expected with Joel out um, during this time. So um, the Nuggets are a good team, and the Clippers, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. The Clippers are weird, but they're still, like, obviously a very good team with, with two, you know, very, very, very good players. Um, so, 
yeah, the Nuggets game, they either they didn't have it from the beginning. And I think that that's, you know, that happens sometimes. The Sixers have had basically no nights like that this year where they just didn't have it the, the whole game. Um, and I think that, you know, other teams have had way more nights like that than the Sixers had. Yeah, for sure. Um, when you think about the Sixers, they've been playing without Joel. It looks like they'll get him back on Saturday. And if they're able to win in Cleveland tonight, they will either be tied or uh, what will they be? They'll be either tied or a half game back. Or no, they could be a half game up. We can fix this in post. Uh, the Sixers and, and the Nets are basically right in the thick of it for the first seed in the East. Uh, if you had told me when Joel got hurt that by the time he comes back, the Sixers will be you know, effectively tied with Brooklyn, I would have thought that was a great outcome. Um, I've been very impressed by you know, the team – you know, keeping it up without Joel, which they basically have never done since Joel has been in the league. I want to know, who do you credit most with the Sixers staying in it in the East for the first seed? Is it Ben? Is it Tobias? Is it Doc? Who would you say is uh, most responsible for the Sixers, you know, basically, you know, carrying their own weight without Joel in this last stretch? Dan, who would you say? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's Tobias. Um, He's been just so consistently good. Um, he's carried the scoring load, which they badly need without Joel, especially lately. You know, like you mentioned, since the All-Star break, Ben hasn't been you know, playing as well offensively. Um, and, and Tobias really is. He's, um, I, w- I don't want to say like just since the All-Star break, like he's had a, a good season, but especially since the All-Star like, reserves came out, um, Tobias is pretty clearly, I don't, you know, he's not even hiding the fact that he's basically on a mission to prove, you know, that the coaches in the East wrong, um, to prove that, you know, he, he does belong, you know, to be, you know, and he, he's an all-star to prove he's that type of player. Um, right. I didn't think it was an, like, and, you know, obnoxious snub that he didn't get in, you know, I think he had a good start to the year and I would have loved to see him get in. Um, I didn't think it was crazy that he didn't, but I'm glad that he is mad that he didn't, you know, like he, he should. Oh Yeah. With that, with not, you know, I don't mean to harp on the contract, but he's getting paid, you know, to be one of the best players in the league. He, like, ability-wise, clearly what we've seen so far this year could hit that level, um, not to be a top 10 player, but maybe a top 30 player, which is, you know, I think he's pretty easily been this year, especially mm-hmm. lately. So I think it's it's awesome to see that from him, and I definitely give him the credit for, I mean, everyone deserves credit, but I, I would say that I would give him the most credit for what they've done without Joel. Emily, what about you? Who would you give the most credit to uh, for the Sixers uh, keeping it up since Joel got hurt? I agree with Dan. I would also say Tobias. Um, in terms of the scoring load, I was doing like a little bit of very uh, intense statistical analysis, and I have a question for you guys. Oh, wow. So, oh, is this about peeing, like within 16 no. hours? Okay. <laughs> no, it's about scoring. Okay. Um, so, and it's not actually intense statistical analysis. It was just me counting things. <laughs> but, so, in terms of the games played, like, scoring leaders on the, of the game, obviously, Tobias and Joel have the most games where they've been the top scorer. Who's uh-huh. number three on the sixer? Who was, like, the leading scorer of the game the most times? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, no, I get, I get what you're saying. Okay, uh, I was making sure I was wording it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. 
This is not easy. I mean, the obvious answer to me is is Ben, which is why I won't pick Ben because I don't right. think it could. I don't think Emily would have would have brought it up. Um, I agree. And I guess like early on, he was. I think he really only has like a handful of games where he's been the leading scorer with how consistent Joel and Tobias have been. You're not looking at it, right? No, I'm not looking it up. Okay, because if so, not, you'd be disqualified. Not very fun if you no, I'm not. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'll make my guess. Seth Curry. Oh no, Seth, Seth was out. Seth missed some time. Sorry, Dan, you've already submitted it. All right, um, let's go with it. <laughs> hmm. I am going to say Shake Milton. Even though Shake missed some time too, and also hasn't. Had a great season, and I'm doubting it as I'm saying it, but I already submitted it. Emily, what's the answer? The answer is Shake Milton. That was my guess, too. Oh, dang. (laughs) Because I was thinking about scoring low, and I was looking at it. So there's only been 10 games this season where Ben and – Ben or – I'm not Ben. Joel or Tobias were not the leading scorer. So 10 games, five of those games, Shake was the leading scorer. Two, Ben was – Two Tyrese Maxey was. Oh, wow. And one wow. was Danny Green, which was the Lakers game on the 25th. Right. Wow. Oh, so none were Seth. <laughs> none were Seth. <laughs> none were Seth. That was great work by you to yeah, do like that, that quick math on the fly. That was very good. I could have counted wrong, so no one, like, hold my head to the flames <laughs> on this, but I think that it's correct. Someone's going to fact check you on this and get so mad about it. I, I can't wait for a new tweet. will be mad at something I'd have done. Yeah. Um, so we mentioned Ben. I figure it's a good time to talk about him a little bit. Um, something I think he should get credit for is that the Sixers defense has been pretty incredible, even with Joel out. Like they had the best defense in the league by a wide margin, uh, at least up until uh, the other night's game uh, in Denver. Uh, and, you know, Ben has struggled to score and he's turned the ball over too much. He's looked a bit hesitant. I was wondering, do you guys think that the absence of Joel has started to wear on him? Uh, and I guess it's Joel's absence plus, you know, a backup center that doesn't shoot uh, or is Mike Scott. Uh, and, and I think that that's been tough. And I think that sort of once Joel is back, order sort of gets restored to the Sixers offensively and everybody sort of falls into their place with the team. And for me, it, it just sort of looks like Ben's ready to have Joel back so that there's less offensive uh, onus on him to create um, – outside of Tobias. Emily, what do you think about that? Or do you think it's just Ben in a slump? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, not even just the, like, offensive on, of Ben having to create. But, this is, like you said, the Sixers have been playing well defensively. But Ben has been carrying a lot of that load. And I think it's got to be exhausting without a, a center really that can defend like Joel can. So he's really carrying a lot more of the load, which then in theory would make his like energy levels for offensive plays go down. I mean, in an ideal world that wouldn't happen, but I think that it probably does if he's having to focus more on defense without knowing with knowing that like Joel isn't there under the basket. If someone gets by him, you know what I mean? Right. So I think that there's part of it, but I also think part of it is he's in a little slump because that happens. Yeah. Dan, what about you? Yeah, I think that, you know, I think part of it is the construction of, of the team um, in that, you know, this year, Ben without Joel, those lineups have really not been successful. Um, last year when I think Horford was a very good fit for Ben, 
um, as you know, as opposed to like a Dwight Howard type, mm-hmm. Tony Bradley type, you know, Ben without you all on the floor, that those lineups were like, they were fine. You know, um, I have the, um, the PBP stats up now. Um, so, you know, these don't take out garbage time or things that like cleaning the glass do, but they're free. So, I mean, that's why I, I like <laughs> these. Um, and, you know, of course there's, you know, relevant context here that, you know, I don't want to get too into and try to overthink like what each of these lineups is mostly looking like all the time. But in general, obviously if you, if you have, you know, of the four lineups, Ben and Joel both on, then both off, and then one on the other off, you know, Ben on Joel off, Joel on Ben off. Um, obviously, the best of those lineups is um, Ben and Joel both on. Of course, they're a, a mm-hmm. plus 14.73 net rating, 754 minutes. They've been great together. Um, and I think that, you know, there is something to be said that, you know, the, the they play a lot with the starters. So you have the you know, Joel plus Ben plus shooters is really maximizing Ben, especially with Joel becoming, you know, an even better shooter this year. You can almost do, you know, the Ben, you can almost call it Ben and shooters with the way Joel has shot the ball. Mm-hmm. The next best, uh, unsurprisingly, would be Joel on Ben off. So that lineup is a plus 3.09. But then they're actually this year have been um, more successful um and of course, there's, you know, I'm not saying that they're better off without Ben on when Joel's not on, but they've actually been better with them both off this year. They're still plus 2.29, whereas with Ben on Joel off, they're a minus 3.47. So I think that there is, you know, more of a fit thing going on with anything. Um, but yeah, I would agree he 100% misses Joel. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah. I, you know, we've talked about the whole backup center thing. And I think that, you know, if you're talking about a playoff series, these numbers are great with Ben and Joel on the court together. So I'm sort of not in any hurry to split them up and stagger the two oh, of them, especially with how good, especially with how good Tobias has been with the bench units. Like if you're going to play your backup center 13 minutes a game in the playoffs, like 
make those Tobias plus bench units and Tobias and Dwight are a fine fit together. And I, I don't really like people are sort of hoping Kelly Olynyk gets bought out. And it's like, I just think the other teams will be walking to the basket if, if, if that's your backup center. And also I think that you want Ben and Joel on the court together as much as possible, especially with how good they've been this year. Do, do either of you disagree with that or, or are one of you sort of really hoping for this sort of stretch big option that, uh, I don't know. It just hasn't. It, it hasn't been something at the top of my list at all. I agree with you, so I I'm not going to be the dissenting opinion here. Yeah, and Dan, Dan, yeah. Yeah, I think you think similarly on this. Yeah, I I I definitely agree. Um, and I think you know an important point is like when you say, you know, in the playoffs, you know, Ben and Joel play 35 minutes, and you have 13 of a backup big, and that those can all be Tobias minutes basically. Um, you know, that is that is true of, you know, probably the first round. Uh, if they, you know, depend, if they can hold on to the one seed, then it'll almost definitely be true of the first round, although the East is wacky this year, and who knows, maybe yeah. they or get unlucky, something like that. But, you know, if they're playing like a Knicks type, a Hornets type, you know, that, that is probably what the first round looks like. Once they have to play a tougher team, whenever that may be, because, you know, stand, like I said, the standings are weird, especially as you get later in the series, game six, game seven, Ben can play 45 minutes of that game, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Joel even, you know, game seven of the Raptors series, Joel was in worse shape. He was sick. His knee hurt him. And he played over 45, almost 46 minutes. Right. Um, and so I don't I don't think that backup center, when it, when it really gets down to it, is going to be all that important. I mean, I agree you need depth, but you need more depth at the positions where your stars don't play. You know, like, ideally, Joel's just going to play as much as possible, which could be, you know, 42, 43 minutes later in the playoffs. Um, And I I kind of expect him to do that. He's done it before in worse shape, like I said. So um, I think that I would, you know, I like the George Hill pickup because, you know, again, it's an extra ball handler. And it gives you something different than what you get from Curry and Green. Get them a rest. So they're fresh, fresh legs. You need them to hit, you know, deep shots. You want them to, you know, be rested, you know, especially. So I... I agree. It's just not high on my list. And I think that, you know, some of the other pickups, I, you know, the Hill pickup is, is a great example, but even, you know, moves they can make next are much better addressing the realistic issues that you would see in this kind of playoff rotation. Yeah, I agree. In terms of the, the minute breakdown, I'm far more interested to see how like the Seth Curry, George Hill, Shake Milton minutes pan out in the playoffs. And, you know, what we've seen of Doc, I think, probably suggests that it's going to come down to who's hot that game, you know, who's playing well. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm looking forward to having George Hill back. It looks like people aren't totally sure when he's going to be back. But I think that, you know, he's on a similar timetable to Joel where he's basically day to day. But the team feels pretty confident that they don't need to rush to get him in there. And they basically said that they want to get a 10 game sample size before the playoffs. So. I'd like to see him soon just so they, they can all sort of gel together. Um, this weekend should be the comeback of, of Joel Embiid, who missed the past about three weeks uh, with a uh, bone, bone bruise in his knee. Uh, obviously, the three of us, what we want more than anything is that Joel's healthy and gets to the playoffs in like peak performance, just as he looked earlier in the year. But I'm sure Joel is thinking about this, the MVP race. Uh, is still out there to some degree. I think Jokic would be the leader in the clubhouse right now. Uh, I think James Harden's probably not far away, but I honestly doubt that 
uh, you know, the voters necessarily want to give it to Harden for a number of reasons, some of which are probably not that great. Um, so really, I want to know how likely is it, do you think, that Joel can really make a run for the MVP from here? Also, you know, the people that we have here listening live with us, feel free to write in a question or to request to speak if you have a question that you want to talk to us about. Uh, so, Emily, what do you think? There, right now, Joel, if you were to play the games, all the games from Saturday until the end of the year, that would give him 55 out of 72 games, which is just over 75 percent of the games this year. Do you think that could be enough uh, or not? What do you think? I think it could be. I don't think I know because it's like a media vote and it's not, you know, based on straight statistics. I don't know. And it could just be because, you know, I live here and I see all the stories about Joel here and I don't go out seeking stories about Jokic, but like how many features have been written on Joel Embiid versus Jokic like I just feel like the storyline is not there I don't think he's like a fun and engaging face of the league and I think that is is maybe not fair as it is I think that that's part of it Mm -hmm. why LeBron got so many it's why you know people like Giannis he's likable like I don't even think I've really heard like Jokic speak he's not in commercials he's not he's not like that guy he plays in you know, Denver, I guess Denver is like a nice place, but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, it's not like the same kind of market. And then I don't think they'll give it to Harden just because of what he did out of Houston. I think there's a lot of like old media types that just don't really like that. And you can say what you want about it's a player's league, but I don't think they'll give it to him this year because of that. So I think that Joel has a chance. Um, and especially with yeah. this LeBron injury, um, which was, I don't like anyone to go out of the race because of an injury. I don't wish that on anyone, but I think it really has opened the door for Joel. Yeah, honestly, for me, we have, we've talked about this. Like when LeBron and Joel had played the same amount of games, I didn't think that there was any real merit-based case for LeBron over Joel. And now that the games played thing is probably going to be a wash between the two of them. Again, I don't think that uh, LeBron has much of a case over Joel. So, again, this assumes perfect health and no rest uh, from here until the end of the year, which is probably uh, an unrealistic expectation. But, Dan, if that were to be the case, do you think Joel could really make a run at this uh, MVP award? Um, I think he's probably going to need a Jokic injury. Um, mm. I, I could be wrong. Um, Emily could be right. That, I mean, I, I would agree that Joel, at least early on, definitely had the – you know, he was a favorite for a reason. The media was talking about him. Um, but I think people really are talking about Jokic as the MVP right now. So right now I'm just on FanDuel. Jokic is a minus 130. So he's, you know, he's better than even money to win MVP right now. Harden and Embiid are tied for next at plus 500. Um, if you look at the games played, Joel's played 33 games. And Jokic is playing his 48th game tonight. Um and Harden is playing his uh, 42nd game tonight. So uh, I do think that there's there's something to be said that, you know, he has played. Or when he comes back, he'll have played se- 17 fewer games than Jokic and will probably still miss more games than him the rest of the year. Um, and, you know, I think he's been the better of the two players, but it's been close. Jokic has been great, too. Um, and the Sixers are only three games up on the Nuggets. So, I mean, yeah, the Nuggets are fifth in their conference, but they're going to pass the Lakers. So they'll still move up to top four in the conference. Um, the Sixers, 
I mean, maybe we'll hop back to the one seed and maybe be able to hold on to it. I think a lot of that depends on, you know, how long Harden's out with his hamstring injury. Oh, I'm sorry, Harden's not playing tonight. So Harden's not playing his um, 42nd game tonight. So I, I do take that back. Um, yeah. but I, still, I think for Jokic, you know, um, getting the one seed would be huge for the Sixers, for Joel. Um, if, you know, if they could pass them, and th- they could. If Joel's coming back, Harden's out for I'm not sure how long yet. And Durant, I mean, who knows? He's missed a lot of time. Um, so it's definitely possible. I think that right now with games played, if neither of them miss too many games the rest of the year and say they all play similar number of games the rest of the year, um, I think that there's just, you know, the fact that the Nets are ahead of the Sixers right now in the standings anyway, despite, you know, Durant being out. So which is obviously a credit, a credit to Harden and was one of the big things for Pelling and Bede was, you know, the Sixers being the one seed. Um, I, I just, I, I, I understand. I kind of agree that I don't think they give it to Harden. Um, so I think that, you know, a Jokic injury puts Embiid, like, right back in it. I'm just not rooting for that. I'm just saying, you know, I think, like, realistic yeah. if you want to bet on it. But I don't think, you know, I don't think if he doesn't miss games, I, I have a hard time seeing him not winning it. Yeah, I mean, for me, I feel like a couple things would need to happen. And I think it's that uh, either, of course, Jokic gets hurt or the Nuggets slump, you know, or for some reason the Nuggets slump. Right now they are only three and a half games up on seven-seeded Dallas. Uh, of course, the Lakers are ahead of them now, and the Lakers look like they'll be falling fast. So who knows what will be the case. But if they're the sixth seed, I could see some voters struggling, even though, you know, I'm sure Jokic's numbers at the end of the day will be incredible, especially if he keeps playing every game. Uh, we'll see about that. And it also has to assume that Joel comes back without missing a beat. I mean, he really can't have – a week here where he's feeling it out and getting his rhythm back because, you know, he has to be exactly who he was to get to this point when he comes back. Uh, but I do think him coming back now, uh, hopefully fully healthy would put him in the race to some degree. And if he goes on some crazy tear for the last 15 games of the year, you never know who's going to end up winning. You know, it's not that you know, the merit-based candidate doesn't always win. And that can either help or hurt Joel in the end here. Um, I would love to see him make a run at it, if only because that that would imply that he's healthy and he's really playing well. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, Emily, you're going. are you going on Saturday or Sunday to see the Sixers at home? I'm going on Sunday, which I'm afraid that Joe isn't going to play back-to-back and I'm going to be really annoyed that I mm. didn't use my inside information for more good, but that tickets <laughs> for the, the Grizzlies were cheaper than the Timberwolves. So I, I'm going. Have, have, have there been any internal conversations about switching the night of the tickets from Sunday to Saturday? No, there, cause I, I didn't buy them like from my season tickets this time. So I went on a third party vendor and bought them that way and so then I would have to like actually sell them I actually bought two pairs of them and because I bought them on the wrong end of the court I bought them under like the like at the opponent end of the court instead of Mm -hmm. the home end of the court so then I had to list those for sale and buy new ones luckily someone bought them otherwise I would be stuck with multiple sets of tickets Sources told me that you actually were thinking of giving those other two to Dan and I if they weren't bought. Can you confirm that? I mean, I would have. I if I wasn't can't sit in two places at once. Well, uh, you know what? But I don't know sold, if I believe so it. So we'll have to wait till next time. I do something. Yeah, we'll have to really like wait and see. 
Yeah. Um, we we do have uh, Noah in the chat who said about the MVP award that he thinks it he thinks it's a bit of market bias and that uh, everyone feels the same way about their superstar. That's definitely possible. Uh, you know, I guess it's hard to judge without bias when you're a fan of a team and you don't know exactly like how the rest of the league is feeling about a player. You know, the media is such a wide thing where there are writers like Zach Lowe and Kevin Artovitz who are very analytically driven and who are incredibly in the weeds about who is doing what every single night. And there are also sort of more local reporters who will have a bias to the own to their own guys that they've been watching play. Um, over this last stretch without Joel, Dan, is there anybody that you've seen that has stuck out to you on the Sixers who has played surprisingly well or surprisingly poorly uh, to put them where they're at? Um, is there anybody that's really stood out to you? Um, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure I could single out one person. I, I would say I've, I've just been, you know, in general, positively surprised. Um, I think that they've held it together so much better than I expected. Um, I, I mean, I could do without the Mike Scott minutes. Um, I really, yeah. I really would, would love to see more, you know, Paul Reed, things like that. But um, no, I mean, just in, just in general, the team has, has looked good. I know I already mentioned Tobias, um, not that that's so much of a uh, surprise, but I think that, you know, not that everyone's having a great night every night, but we've had so many good examples of like a good, a really good, you know, role player night here and there, which I mean, these mm-hmm. examples be Danny Green against the Lakers the other night. Um, but I think that we've just had, you know, every game, two or three guys, almost every game, two or three guys stepping up, um, which is why the Sixers kind of do feel like, you know, I think, you know, when people talk about the vibes, that's, that's what, you know, that's what, that's what they're talking about, right? Like, you know, you have just the right number, like, you know, the right guy stepping up each night. Um, it has felt like that. So it's been a, it's been a cool run. I, I, I don't think I could just, uh, you know, give one person all the credit. I think that everyone has kind of taken their turn to carry once in a while. Yeah. One person I will single out is Danny Green, who I think has been just super solid ever since the all-star break. And, um, it's been very encouraging since, uh, you know, obviously the Sixers didn't make the Lowry trade, which would have, you know, necessitated his inclusion. Um, but I'm very happy that he's still here and he seems to fit in great. Uh, Emily, does anybody stand out to you? Um, no, that's, I would say the same thing as, as you and Dan. I know that when Joel went down, um, it, everyone was a little worried. I mean, more than a little worried, a lot worried. And as Philadelphia fans, we kind of – doomsday prep and prepare for the worst but we haven't really had to do that we've really hung on to that one seed um I know and and now Joel's getting ready to come back and we're still in that prime position to you know have a top seed in the east so it's been a delightfully a pleasant surprise yes I agree we do have a speaker request here from Darnell Darnell we're gonna put you in here oh, how's everybody doing um I like to say I live currently living Philly I've been to a game. Um, I would like to say the Sixers, they're a very elite team. I think Joel Embiid's injury really hurt and it affected mm-hmm. them in a negative way. And I just think once he comes back, they'll be back to the number one. See, I am a Nets fan, but I think y'all will be. So Love you're that. a Nets fan, but you think that the Sixers will come out on top in the end. And can I ask why you think that? No, is? I think y'all coming out on top I think in the regular season because our Nets players. Right, that's what I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think because our Nets players, we always rest in and stuff. Like Kyrie taking breaks for his birthday. KD, I don't know what's up with him. Um, Harden. <laughs> You know, it's stuff like that. It's just too much. I hear you. I hear you. 
Do you think that we were just talking about the MVP here? Do you think that James Harden has a real chance of winning the MVP? Yes, because at the end of the day, he's played only a few games with KD, so you can't really say that. Kyrie is an all-star player, so you can't really take that away from him, right? So I think Harden actually has been the most valuable player because when Kyrie has been out, Harden has won the game versus playoff teams like the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, I hear you. I thank you so much for uh, for joining us here, Darnell. It's very good. Um, what were we? Oh, there are a couple things that I wanted to talk about before we get out of here, uh, and they are uh, some Sixers any stuff. Of them last chance, you, because that's what I would like to talk oh, about. I would love to talk about last chance, you. We need Dan to watch. Yeah, last Dan, chance you need you. to watch it so we can shift our podcast to only talking about Joe Hampton and the Elac basketball. Thank you. You have to. All right, as you. All right, if you guys are gonna talk about it though, keep in mind that like I, you gotta convince me. Like, why do I like? I, do you I, like I, basketball? I don't know Dan? about it. Do you I like, like basketball. Young people co- overcoming adversity. Do you like feel good stories? I don't. What else do you want? Dan, do you like hard knocks? I've never seen hard knocks. Oh well, there there goes the analogy I was going to draw because it's a lot <laughs> like that. It's like a docu series that's inside the the day to day. But these are these are kids that are yeah. trying to make it back to a D one school. Okay. Um, I've never. Quick, so I'm not a big reality TV guy except for The Bachelor. It's more like Ooh, a documentary than reality TV, though. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, here we go. We have uh, Keith Pompey, who's a two-time guest of this podcast, and he writes for The Inquirer also. Uh, he reported the <laughs> other day. This, this is a quote from Dwight Howard about B-ball Paul, Paul Reed. The first day he came into training camp, and the first thing he said was, call me Alan. Throw me alley-oops. <laughs> and I'm like... Who in their right mind comes in and says, call me Allie? You at least say your first and last name and where you're from. So uh, this really set off a firestorm in the Sixers locker room. Paul Reed took to Twitter to respond and he said, LOL, they misunderstood me. I said, y'all can throw me Allie's, but I just let them call me Allie. Um, Emily, has anyone ever mistakenly nicknamed you something based off of something they thought you said? <laughs> no, this has well, never happened to me in my life. No, but I think it's hilarious that I, I guess. Well, who do we believe in this case here? Do we think that Paul Reed had the moxie to walk into his first NBA locker room <laughs> and go over there and say, "Call me Ali. My name's Ali," as in Ali Oop, or do we think he said? When you get a chance, throw me an alley-oop. Those are fun. What do you think, uh, Dan, which is more likely? Who do you believe? Well, is the implication that either way, this is the first thing he said? Like, he didn't even say his name. He <laughs> yes. Throw yes. me alleys. Exactly. He, I would he say either that said, call me alley. He either said, call me alley. You or start he with your name. Line, right, right over to them. And he said, throw <laughs> me alley-oops. And they're like, sorry, who are you? What's What's happening? So, Dan, do you think that he said, call me alley? Or do you think he said, throw me alleys? Well, all right, if if this is like, so this is the first, is this is our first interaction, which I feel like it has to be if Dwight Howard was thinking that's how he was introducing himself. Right. If he already said, hey, I'm Paul, you wouldn't later think he said, call me Allie. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm siding with Dwight Howard here. I think I think I am too. Emily, what do you think? Are you, who, who do you think is telling the truth here? I mean, you guys have a lot of, good point but I also can see it being the kind of situation where it's like a game of telephone and like this is Dwight's remembrance of it and then he like everyone just started calling him Allie and Paul Reed is the rookie and he just like doesn't want to correct them 
Like, mm. have you ever had someone like think like I was at a job once and this one person always called me Emma and I just let it go. And then mm. it was like my birthday and he was like, like, happy birthday, Emma. And I said, thanks. <laughs> like, I just let it go. So I can see how that that happens a lot. I, I had the same thing in high school. I had a gym teacher who didn't understand my last name and he just called me Lipan instead of Lipman. <laughs> so every time he would call uh, uh, attendance, he would say Steve Lipan and I would say here and I just let him think it forever. So yes, I do agree with that. Um, I wonder if they'd been calling him Allie and he hasn't corrected them until the news broke. Maybe one day we'll get to talk to Paul. Finally, I'd like to talk about Vincent Poirier. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Poirier was upset about Doc Rivers uh, not calling him after uh, Poirier was traded to someplace, but then he was waived. Now, this was translated by Eurohoops. He said, the coach, which is Doc, doesn't even send me a message, although I know he sent others. I'm not asking him to give me compliments, but just a message to wish me good luck. We are not commodities. We are still human beings. It's a minimum of sending a message to say the situation was complicated but thank you for your professionalism. A bogus thing, even if he doesn't really mean it. Um, I don't know about you guys, but of all the guys the Sixers traded, I would have loved Doc to not call Terrence Ferguson personally. Um, what do you think? Was this a faux pas here? What do we, Dan, are you on uh, Team Poirier or do you think it's NBD, as the kids say? No, I mean, I, I guess, like, I don't think ultimately it'll matter for anything. Um, because, you know, I feel like for like for the most part, you like obviously it matters how you know you you treat guys. Um, but in terms of what gets around, like I just don't think he's a big enough name. But I do think that Doc was, you know, was wrong if he didn't if he didn't call him. I think that you know you, you know, as a player, you basically you know are putting your trust in the coach with well, the other you know the understanding that you could be moved and and it happens. Um, but you still go, you know, every every day to games, practice, whatever, and and you know you're you're doing whatever you're told to do by by the coach. So I think that the coach does owe you, you know, if not a thank you, at least a goodbye. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, th- you know, there was a whole, there's been, you know, there was talk a long time ago when Hinky was here about how, you know, if if you're not loyal to guys, you don't treat them the right way, then you know guys aren't going to want to play here. We kind of saw that with. You know, Porzingis before the draft. Um, mm-hmm. I, I ultimately don't think that this is like going to pick up enough, you know, attention that that anyone's even going to remember it after. Like, <laughs> besides, if they're listening to this, they probably already forgot. <laughs> and I, right. Uh, I think most players would. Well, I don't think it'll have like consequences, but I, I do think he should have called him. Yeah. Um, Emily, what do you think? Do you think it's possible Doc Rivers didn't know Poirier was on the team until after he was traded? Um, I would, I would have guessed that, except he's played him in games when he goes in to commit like eight. It's fouls. true. It's so true. He has to call him something to get him off the bench. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't he call him Allie. We already have an Allie, so maybe he knows his name. But um, Rich Hoffman actually tweeted Doc was asked about. Um, the comments Vincent Poirier made about being upset that he hadn't reached out to him post-trade. And Doc said, I don't get involved with that crap. You know that. Vincent and I have talked, so he does know his name. Um, That kind of talk and all that kind of stuff, that's for, I guess, newspapers. So that seems a bit defensive. A bit, and still reads newspapers. 
Yeah, I don't uh, – that, that sort of makes me think he really didn't call this guy. Um, <laughs> Doc has two big adversaries in the league. It's Paul George and Vincent Poirier. Um, hopefully those two guys can team up down the line. Um, that'll just about do it for Gastro Blues live on Locker Room. Do you guys have anything else before we get out of here? Go Phils. Go Phils. Currently a 2-2 game. Uh, let's hope something good happens. Uh, good to talk to you both. We'll be, we will be back with a regular episode uh, on Monday, and uh, we'll be back with another locker room next week. Thank you guys for hanging out, and we will talk to you again soon. See ya. See ya. See ya.